This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Commander Daniel Prue, who just returned from shore leave. Number one, how was Ryza? You know, it was pretty awesome. I got this thing there. It's it's kind of hard to, to explain, but I feel the need to spread it amongst all of the people on the ship. It's really great. It's a lot of fun, and it gives you this kind of euphoria. Uh, but I just want everybody on the ship to experience the same feelings that I did. So I'm going to spread it as much as I possibly can. Okay. Um, just be sure to see Dr. Crusher before before you start spreading the news. Um, and I'm joined by my other co-host, Assistant Counselor Darren Moser. Now, Darren, I hear that you and Counselor Troy are running a marriage counseling workshop. How is that going? Actually, I'm I'm just the assistant to the counselor. Oh. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not the assistant counselor. But no, it's it's going well. We're going to hold it in. Uh, it, believe it or not, we're going to hold it in. Uh, shuttle bay one because we just, no one ever uses that shuttle bay for anything else so it's a great open space and uh we're expecting about five people to be there okay. so uh maybe it's over over planning but uh as the betazoids say oh i got it uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man that's funny all oh, i was goodness. thinking about the whole time was how the defiant could fit inside the main shuttle bay as, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think two defiance could fit inside the no, main. I, the thing bay. I was thinking about was what was the um, uh, uh, dress code for this, or if there probably wasn't a dress code at all, um, if it involved any. No, this isn't practices. the honeymoon plan. This is the pre-marriage counseling. Oh, so yes. like, what is that? Just like half. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, well, anyway, as folks may or may not be able to tell, um, we're going to have a very interesting episode. I think uh, this week um, we're going to be talking about something that's in the next generation, and um, I don't know. We we here at Earl Grey, obviously, we we uh, we talk all things uh, TNG, and and of course we're going to talk about this topic like we do all of them, and it's a little little racier than we go to, but as always, we treat it with the respect, comedy, and intellect that we always do. But we're going to be talking about sexuality and relationships in the next generation. Now, you know, for some listeners, they may be like, wow, that's kind of a controversial topic, but Watching The Next Generation as a 10-year-old, you know, in 11 and 12, and I was like, like, they are having a lot of sex in this show, I thought about, even at, at that age. Like, this is actually a really sexy show. And, and I know I've often – actually, I've heard people say TNG is not a sexy show, but I'm like – and I'm going to throw this out here. And you two can either back me up or reject it. I'm going to say TNG has the most sex of any Star Trek show. Oh, I would have to think about that. Um Look, Voyager, you know, not, you know, there's there's very little people contacting other people. I guess. Do you count any time that Kirk kisses a woman and then we kind of pan away? I mean, but see, that's only one like, character in how, TOS. Like, you, Uhura and Chekhov aren't having. That's the aliens, true. That so. is. That's a good point. See, so, so so I'll give you that's something to think about as we go through this. Um, but but the kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about was sort of the alien species because you know Star Trek, like every Star Trek series, but TNG in particular, you know we use aliens to explore um, you know the different ways that humans are. But I, the Next Generation used a lot of alien species to sort of look at things very differently, and and I would say that many of them obviously were very overtly sexual or at least different. Um, and, of course, the one species I have to talk about first, always, probably the favorite episode of probably, I don't know, all our listeners. I feel like if I've ever seen anyone tweet, it's always been hashtag justice. That's right. The Edo um, from season one. Justice uh, is a, obviously, a very, very, you know, at the drop of the hat, apparently, with that species, um, as as I believe Yar described it, any hat. <laughs> Um, 
So, you know, we've talked about this episode, I think, once or maybe twice before on Earl Grey. Um, but, but uh, Daniel, I'll go with you. Like, you know, this having – I know you've had to rewatch it in the, in the past year or two or three. But, like, that's a very, very sexual episode um, talking about the Edo. And this is season one TNG. Yeah. Yeah. You um, – I think a, a lot of – Star Trek's views on, uh, especially you know, early TNG's views on on sexuality came from, you know, the great bird of the galaxy who, uh, uh, you know, may or may not have been, uh, you know, an older guy who was just into younger women, and that's okay, that's fine. He's just an old man's fantasy. <laughs> it's Daniel. just an old man's fantasy. Uh, I don't disagree with him. So, like, uh, especially in this instance, though, actually, really, the thing that sticks out to me is another humanoid species that looks exactly like humans, but that they're, uh, but they're supposed to be aliens. But no, um, <clears throat> nothing, nothing. The thing was they had skimpy and, clothes. And, and we saw, yeah, we pretty much saw everything that species <laughs> had. They weren't hiding any bumps or, or markings. Right? It's funny that, you know, I mean, I, I know we'll talk about Risa in a little bit, but actually that episode reminds me of the Deep Space Nine Risa episode with um, Vanessa Williams. Um, for some reason, I don't know why, I get the same like the same sense of like, just, oh, we've got massage chairs and and, and I'm the goddess. Of- <laughs> you know, we've we've got uh, I don't you know all of these things, and I like it. I like it because especially when it came out, right? And the Justice was season one. That's 1986. Like contrasting the Justice Society. With 1986 America, or, or even, you know, mostly the world at that point, it's really interesting because it's like, wow, this is this is a society that's – I think that even now we haven't shaken a lot of taboos and a lot of uh, this stigma around this kind of subject. But but back then especially, like, they were like just people that were just running around having sex and it's no big deal. It's not a thing. It's just part of life and they're just going to do it to enjoy it and there's no baggage and there's no there's no judgment, and uh, you know it's interesting to see it that way. It's interesting to see a society that would accept sexuality that openly. So I actually think, you know, as much as I know you love justice, Philip, um, I don't love it as much as you do. But it is interesting to look at it in that aspect because I think it is very forward thinking that way. And what about you, Darren? Is uh, are the Edo on your uh, list of vacation spots? Uh, you know, I think they take their flora and fauna rules a little <laughs> to the extreme. Uh, just, just you know, saying. But I do have to give credit that uh, the one time, you know, I got uh, retweeted by Will Wheaton by putting him back in a, in a shot of being chased by the Edo police. Uh, you know, that was, hey, everyone loves justice for one way or the other, uh, especially Command, uh, Lieutenant Commander Worf. <laughs> Uh, he, you know, nice, nice. <laughs> that planet. was Lieutenant Junior Gray. Uh, oh, that's right. Or, uh, you know, he, I'm sure he's just stole a pip <laughs> off someone at that point. But, you know. um, but yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, I I kind of look at that episode and was because in some ways, like this race is kind of similar to like the Ocampan in in Star Trek Voyager, where they have this guardian entity. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm wondering, did the Edo, like, did their society evolve or, or did the, the rules and the, and the stigmas or, or, or how they developed their, you know, their society, did it occur naturally or was it a product of having this guardian entity that was like, you don't have to deal with this, this and this, or I won't let you fight amongst yourselves, you know, and, and thus it's just going to all be, everything is accepted uh, I don't know. I mean, it was, it, I mean, obviously, that's maybe thinking a little too far about it because it is a forty-five minute <laughs> Star Trek episode. But, uh, but that was what made me more curious: is just how did the Edo come about to this? You know, was it something that happened naturally, or is it because of their sp- particular corner of the universe? Well, and this is probably is an original thought, but I just thought of it while you were talking, Darren. That I mean, there's a sort of Genesis. Genesis? <laughs> Genesis. Planet forbidden. Parallel, where you have basically, it's the Garden of Eden. You know, you have this paradise and you have this, you know, 
uh, God. I mean, the, religion is actually very heavily discussed in justice. You have this God, uh, you know, well, being... Edo, Eden. Yeah. Uh, Philip, you must be discussing uh, an original series episode right now because there's there's a Gardens of Eden, there are gods running around. What What is going on here? No one... <laughs> is Abraham Lincoln, like, hiding behind that bush? I am the guardian of four... Okay. Um, but, but I mean, and, and again, you know, for, for – I almost feel like I have to be defensive about this topic. But, like, this is the episode where, you know, uh, Riker and Yar and Worf are beaming down and they're talking. And, and, and Worf is sort of being, like, Mr. Repressed as, as he was in that Deep Space Nine episode you mentioned, Daniel. And Riker's just like, how about just playing sex, Worf? You know, how about that? You know, and that's why I'm like, I, I'm not, I don't think we're going at any issue too far that TNG did not go far there, you know, themselves. And so I think it was sort of an interesting thing, like you said. And I also think another thing was that, especially for 87, like you were saying, Daniel, you know, like TOS, it's no big deal, right, to show half-naked women, just like what TOS did. But we had the men, like Yar, those like the guys are just running up to Yar and Troy and, you know, equal opportunity here on, on Planet Edo Rubicon, you know. Yeah, to, to get into the discussion, um, I actually think that TNG presents especially in this episode and, and subsequent episodes. I think it's, it can be backed up. Um, and I know you guys may disagree with this, but I think that uh, like when they get on the planet and when they're, they're presented with these scenarios, like Troy and, and uh, uh, Troy, what's, her, what's name? her name? What's her name? Tasha. Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> they can go like it's, I think it w- is a totally acceptable scenario that Troy and Tasha go off and do their thing well, separately, of course. And, and and that Riker and Worf, of course, separately go off and do their thing. I think it's a t- like in the 24th century, it is a totally acceptable scenario that they all go off and have fun, quote unquote, whatever you you know take that what you will. We're going to keep it family friendly, but they go off and do their thing, and then come back, and nobody is judgmental. Nobody is. Everybody is just like, oh, we're enjoying this planet for what it's offering us, and you know we'll get. I'm sure we'll get more into that, but. Uh, I think that's that's more to the point of what we're saying. Well, I'm sure if there had been a EMH, you know, Mark One, because uh, doesn't didn't he have you know some strong words with a Mister Paris or a Mister uh, uh, Mister Kim about cross species <laughs> relations? As long as they had crushers, I guess you're right. As long as they had crushers, you know, they were inoculated or whatever. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and of course, uh, they also uh, allowed that there were some games that were, you know, uh, Wesley was too young to play <laughs> just yet. Oh, you want to play ball? Um, oh, you just want to play? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I, I see. I see. Um, well, you know, Daniel, you, you did bring it up. Um, we, of course, TNG did introduce Risa uh, to the Star Trek universe um, in a little thing we... They get more of a team. <laughs> <laughs> it's our captain's holiday. Um, so, so Darren, what about what about you? This this whole concept of Risa that that's an, actually it's not just a place um, where you know that these alien place that you know that's where just people live in society. But here's a a place where people actually go from the Federation and everywhere else to just you know paradise planet. It, it's like the Carnival Cruise planet. It's you know which is. You know, we got the weather control net, you know, we got the beaches, we got the horagons, you know, we got everything. You know, we got crazy time travelers and archaeological digs, Rom. you know, it's just something for everyone. We got Rom. <laughs> you know, Indy would love it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, it's another interesting, you know, just aspect to... Uh, you know, is is that Starfleet? Is it? Do we work hard and play hard? Is if there's no, you know, acquisition of wealth, you know, everyone gets to go to Risa. You know, I, there's, it, it, I mean, it's a whole planet. It's not going to get full. It's not going to have a waiting list. Uh, I mean, unless you keep getting called off to do something else, then maybe you'll just never make it there. But uh, that's a that's your own mm-hmm. problem. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's an interesting, uh, an interesting place. Just. I think they're smart in that they, when they describe it or when they're like setting up the rules of Rise, that they're kind of purposely vague. Because I think if you just had a whole episode of like, well, this is the governing body of Risa, and we're going to talk about our new, it's you the know, pleasure uh, parliament bylaws. The pleasure parliament. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like nobody wants to hear that. Nobody cares. You know, just uh, just use it for the episode. You know, and and maybe use it in you know DS Nine or later. 
Now, Daniel, you're 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 a young man. Um, what do you what do you think of uh, Ryza and and all it it has to offer? Well, I heard that what's mine is yours. So, I mean, uh... <laughs> I like that T-shirt, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> No, I, my my co-host went to Risa, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> was his lousy this lousy Horgon? <laughs> no, I love I love the idea of Risa. I like I just I'm it. This makes sense to me. Like it's like you know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but it's like without the negative kind of seedy or dirty connotation. It's like people just go to Risa to have a good time and. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a sexual thing. It 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 can be, obviously. It's as we're shown and might be a political <laughs> revolution. Maybe going you on hate or and you could, I mean, that could be hate, fun. You know, clear weather and you you just want the rain to come, you know. But you, it, it, uh, you know, it's like you know, as we as we learn in in the first episode we see it on Captain Picard just wants to he wants to sit on his little uh, loungy chair and read a book. That's all he with his little shorts, <laughs> and that's all he. <laughs> and and he would have been left alone to his own devices, and it would have been a perfectly fun time if he didn't, if Riker didn't decide to, you know, have fun with him. But uh, you know, so as a planet, it makes sense. This is the planet you go to have fun. This is the planet you just you just go to get away, and I like it for that. And I also like the fact that it's just, like I said, it's just like a place for like for just. It's the pleasure planet. I, don't, I mean, I is there? I mean, can you guys think of any other science fiction that has an entire planet dedicated to pleasure? Uh, I can't. Uh, but but it it also makes sense, you know, in the age of the holodeck. You know, what can top the holodeck? <laughs> a, a planet. planet. <laughs> you know, just an entire planet of a planet of holodecks. No, just an entire planet. <laughs> well, like it's interesting because I think um, other sci-fi properties in that sort of environment, it would be like seedy. It would yeah. be like, oh, here's here's the red light district on, you know, Orias 4. The red light planet. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and it would be all, like, dark and rainy and, the, you know, I don't know. But, like, and and again, this is sort of a Roddenberry vision because I think there's a lot of things um, that people can criticize about, you know, conflict. and But, like, Roddenberry is very 60s. He's very 60s. And it is free love, basically, from the Roddenberry, you know, uh, uh, world. And so, you know, there's... As you said, Daniel, I mean, we're not there now, and I, and I whether it's good or ill, you can debate. But like a place where it's just be like, yeah, it's just everyone's there, open, and hey, do you want to, you know, do you want to spend time together? You know, people just coming up, and it's not like you know, a brothel in in somewhere in Nevada. You know, this is just regular, regular thing, regular, all in the open. You know, and so it's certainly you know not today in America. I don't think anywhere in the world, honestly. Um, I know so. It definitely makes me think of the show Fantasy Island. Like, I'm expecting Ricardo <laughs> Martavon to, like, walk around the corner and be like, Captain Picard, welcome this to Rise This is Rise of Five! <laughs> 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 Which is even funnier because he played Khan. And then some guy would come uh, along and yeah. be like, this is not at all pe- pleasurable. <laughs> and there's, you know, the little... Uh, midget alien, Frankie? you know, instead of the super racist <laughs> Frankie, the shuttlecraft, the shuttlecraft. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, um, I'm momentarily going away from all things pleasure planety. Um, so that we were introduced to a to a a different way of thinking about sex, even not just you know free love and all that, but that there's a planet and species and race that doesn't have gender. Um, we've talked about this episode before, of course, the outcast, um, and you know whether we think it's good or bad, or, or what it may have meant at the time, and what it means today. But the Janai. Um, so I mean, this is a different way um, of just thinking about sexuality and sex, like that they there's no male or female, and that they uh, reproduce in a <laughs> as Riker inquires, um, and in a very actually I forget the the technical way, I, but it was it was something very biological that apparently is all pretty also pretty awesome. So I don't know, but um, but Daniel I, and we've talked about this I know before, especially when when Andy was on here. But what, what do you do you think about that concept of no gender? Well, I'm, well, I mean, it's not even no gender, right? It's forbidden gender. That's kind of how the episode is. is pres- gender forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Genderless. It's a concept. It's, it's a one way to put, you know, our 21st, 20th, 21st century kind of ideas of sexuality into a different kind of context. 
And uh, I, I, I like what I like what the episode is trying to say. Uh, the ending, I think, is a little weak. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's it, it, it's interesting because it, it can push forward this idea that, hey, maybe everything isn't as simple as black or white or, you know, male or female. You know, maybe it, everything is not that easy. Maybe it's harder to figure out some people than other people. And it's it's just, you know, a t- it's a totally different way of looking at things. So, I, I mean, I appreciate the episode for that aspect, at least. Now, Daniel, every time you say black and white, I can just hear you like mentally struggling. I'm not going to say shades of gray. I'm not going to say shades of gray. I'm not going to say shades of gray. <laughs> he is black. Gonna... <laughs> and I am female on the other side. Okay. Um, so, so, Darren, I know we talked about this before, but, but, but I mean, this, this is sort of just like, uh, you know, because we, we have the Riker love story, the Riker, you know, meme, the Riker cliche that, you know, he, he gets everyone to fall in love with him, but now he gets the non-gendered species and what is what does that mean yeah it i i can't think of the outcast without thinking of the uh the enterprise episode uh cogenitor which i think was was trying to tell a different story and was obviously trying to uh you know that was more about like a second class citizen that wasn't allowed to read and learn and you know things it was approaching a different you know, civil issue, I guess. But with the outcast, uh, yeah, it's. Now I'm just thinking of the. I'm just thinking of the congenitor as like the pack led of reproduction. We make things move. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I just with the outcast, I think, you know, I think of anything. It just shows how Riker just doesn't learn because he, you know. I mean, how many times has he put the Enterprise in danger because he just beams down to these planets and has to just kind of go against the entire social structure, you know, of of the planet? But I don't know. It's it's not a it's not a bad episode, but it's it's a. I, I kind of agree with Daniel. Like that, it, it was like I was trying to say something, but then at the end, it was kind of like, uh, but we're gonna leave it right here. We're not gonna quite end this story, which maybe that's what they had to do. But uh, you know, it's it's no justice. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and again, I know I know I know we've talked about it before, but we'll just repeat it again. You know that the the outcast does talk about you know with Riker and I forget her name. I'm blanking on the character's name, or if I'm allowed to say her, um, that they were talking about like, well, what's the difference? What is what is male and female? You know, what define that for me, Will Riker? And he sort of like stumbles for a second. Well, uh, let's see. I guess uh, size and makeup and da da da. So it, it was sort of an interesting. Um, mirror it was like a mirror to us um of of what of what a mirror exactly of, of what men and women mean um which was interesting because again this was i forget what season it was but let's just say it's like 90 91 or something like that um that that you know would would that episode if we had done that episode today would that be really different or not of how we even just defined regular men and women not even how we define this genderless species so all right. Um, and then, n- not only are we uh, introducing non-gender species, now we're going to introduce a gender-hopping species with the trill um, in the host. And they never changed from how they were first portrayed. <laughs> <laughs> how far down do those spots? Well, well, actually, they don't have what spot? spots at yeah. all. Yeah. Enough about the... Maybe the spots are on the symbiote. No, the yeah. spot was in Data's quarters. That's this is yeah. this is next generation. Anyway, so Daniel, I know you're an expert on the trail for other reasons. Um, what did you think of? Okay, I mean, so let me let me just set this up in sort of this category. So you have obviously, and again, I can't remember characters' names. You have the guy Trill, um, and and Doctor Crusher, Doctor Beverly, or whatever. Um, you know, they're having a relationship. You know, and he gets you know damaged and has the symbiote transfers to Will Riker. So she has a relationship with Will Riker slash that guy. And then finally the new host comes in and it's a woman host. And then Bev has to make a decision. And she's like, that's the line. I, mean, I, I, can, I can, you know, uh, go off and have fun with my superior officer, but not with a woman. So I don't know. Anyway, so Daniel, that's sort of my encapsulation of how this is sexuality and relationships. But, but what do you think of all that, Daniel? And, and what is it trying to say? Or whatever. What do you, whatever you think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, it is an interesting topic, right? And, and it shows the times that it was written and produced in, right? You know, nowadays, I don't think most people 
would bat an eye at the fact that one of your main characters of your show was attracted to someone of the same sex. At the time, you couldn't do that. It wasn't allowed at all. Um, and I think that's is, this is Star Trek's way of, of approaching that. Like, they was trying to show... And, and this is... Uh, ultimately, this is the same episode that Deep Space Nine has later on in Season 4 or Season 3, maybe... Where Jadzia is, uh, you know, they have the, you know, they have, she has her, f- yeah, something like that. Something. It's later, though, because I'm in season four right now, and it hasn't happened, so it may be four It might be, yeah, four or five. Where she has. I know, it's not yeah. season seven. <laughs> <laughs> where she has her kiss with, with you know, with this person that is also used to be a different gender, and and it's interesting, actually, to think about, because uh, the host was in, what, season four? Season five, maybe? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, it was like th- probably three or four years, maybe five years difference, um, and it's they're telling the same story. So, it, you know, it, it to me it actually shows uh, w- how we as a society really still hadn't tackled this subject. It, what you just mentioned, Philip, would be really interesting to see how the trill would be handled nowadays, uh, because we would not these issues wouldn't be non-issues now. They wouldn't be things that we would that the writers would feel they needed to address. Uh, it, maybe in different ways, at least, uh, where that you know, like it wouldn't like Beverly says, I just I can't I can't because you're a woman now I can't just can't, and maybe that would be true that that's okay that's not there's nothing wrong with that but the way it's you know it's almost like I don't know it's it, it, I feel like it is directly addressing the shortcomings of our current, the, the, the way we currently look at things. Anyways. Yeah, because Darren, I feel like one of the, the issues um, that, that the host raises is, you know, if you're in love with someone, you know, where is that line? Are you in love with the person inside or how much is it the person outside? Because, like, if you change, you know, what they look like, but they're the same person, you know, is that too far? You know, how far does love go? Or you know, But anyway, what, what sort of you think about that relationship aspect? Yeah, no, I think that's that's a really good point, Philip, where, you know, what when you're falling in love with someone or when you're, you know, attracted to someone, you know, I mean, it's it's such a complicated subject and there's so many, you know, factors that, you know, yeah, and there again, you you almost need a science fiction show <laughs> just to demonstrate and focus on one aspect of that. Uh but yeah, and and yeah, I agree with Daniel, you know, it's when they were saying, you know, with when Beverly was like, you know, I can't, uh, you know, like I, I like you, but you know, this it's, it's too much. It's too much of a change, you know, for me, like, uh, you know, that, that makes sense. And, and I think, yeah, you know, there's a lot of episodes in T and G. I mean, a lot specifically on this list that we're talking about today that I think would be very different, uh, nowadays, uh, and it's going to be interesting, you know, when Trek comes back to uh, TV. I like how everyone in, in Trek FM says, you know, when, <laughs> not if, but when, uh, you know, when Trek comes back, you know, what what stories will they tackle? What stories will they feel, you know, uh, need to be discussed? Because I think if it's good Trek, it's going to be, you know, pushing buttons. It's going to be saying, you know, what... Uh, it, it's it's not going to just be, oh, well, here's an alien of the week. It's like, no, we want to tell a story with this alien. We want to, you know, at least make you think. And I think that's what the best Trek does. And, you know, I think they, this episode, you know, the host does make you think. But it I think in a way I'm glad it kind of leaves it open because it's it's giving its point and then saying, okay, you, I'd, I'd much rather if the, uh, that Trek just kind of leave – some parts open where they're just like, okay, we're, we've obviously made you think, and now we're just going to let you come to your own conclusion, you know, as we fade into the star field of the Enterprise, you know, heading to its next mission. Instead of dropping the bike, Mike, we slowly put it down on the mm-hmm. floor and then walk away. <laughs> slowly put down the hyperspray, <laughs> Beverly. Slowly back away. <clears throat> well, I think the, the, the thing about the trill, because we've talked about, like, Beverly, but the trill, and, and there's a little bit of a discussion that was going on in the Babel conference about... Um, uh, sexuality and, and how Star Trek, you know, did or really didn't um, ever show uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual. But like to me, the trill is a species, and I don't know the right term to use whether it would be bisexual or pansexual. But like they, I mean, 
this is me saying it. You can. They don't have a sexual preference, or like they can't, because you're going to be a man, and maybe you're a man the next time, or maybe you're a woman the next time. And I mean, I suppose maybe you could have the same preference, like you're man or woman, you always like men, or you're a man or woman, you always like women. But like you know, at least going from Jadzia, and which I know is not a TNG character, but um, but at least we introduced the concept in the with TNG is that you know you're going to have husbands and wives, and you know, does it matter? I don't know. They don't really explain whether it's that's unique or not. You know, I always and this. This is kind of off the rails and a little bit out of our purview, but I, uh, I get this. I get the sense, truly, I really do, that uh, excluding that one episode, that Jadzia is is a bisexual character, uh, and I think that uh, I think well, I think the next Star Trek is going to have to have that that kind of character where it's just it doesn't matter, and it's just you know, Philip, we we've talked about this before. Uh, and I'm sure some of our listeners at least know uh, have played Mass Effect, right? Where, the, where they have the same kind of scenario where you have characters who are just whatever. They just, they just go either way and it's fine and it's totally okay and it's just a situation that happens. And Star Trek was always afraid to go down that path. And, and it was dis- it's disappointing to a lot of people. Uh, it was disappointing to a lot of people at the time and it's still disappointing to a lot of people. It, to, to a series that is, has always been forward-thinking and kind of ahead of the pack, that, that we don't have we don't have anybody to represent these kinds of people. And I hope that the next series, well, the next series, right? Like we just assume there's going to be a next series. <laughs> right. we'll, Seven years, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do these things because we are in such a different world now than even Enterprise was in. And Enterprise ended in 2005? You know, I mean, there was 10 years ago. Yeah, like 10 I years mean, ago. Even then we're in such a different world now. We need forward thinking people, uh, you know, for Star Trek. So I, I hope we get that. We mean, Enterprise ended in 2170. <laughs> I don't know. I got it. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting also with the trill because they don't really go into as much that connection between the symbiote and the host. I mean, I see what you're saying, you know, where... Yeah, wouldn't it would make it would make sense that they had no preference because they're always switching. But in a way, you know, they're not. I mean, the symbiont is switching, but the symbiont's only part right. of the equation. So perhaps you know, a lot of it comes from the body part of the host. I guess I don't know. But again, they're they're smart. I think they don't. I'm glad they don't really draw this line and make it like well this is how you know the subspace flow blah 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 it's like no no we reverse the polarity (laughs) (laughs) or we're both reversing the polarity you're reversing um well if you reverse the polarity (laughs) and i reverse the polarity is that just the polarity is not reversed Um, well like to me and sometimes I feel like having seen these episodes over and over, we kind of kind of gloss over. But like to me, the thing that strikes me about the host, and again, this is going to be uh, Daniel's bailiwick here. Like Will, it, like we have to just confine it to the host. Who's well, the yeah. I'm sorry. Well, we have to confine this to the host and not Deep Space Nine for a moment. So just you know, it's the only thing we know is from the host about the trill. But the way it kind of is explained in the host, and it's been a while, but is that the like you said, Darren, that the host is kind of conscious. With the symbiote. So, like, Will Riker is there with the symbiote, right? But he is engaging in a relationship with Beverly. And, like, that's agreed to beforehand almost. I almost feel like there is, like, I feel like it's explicit. Like, hey, Will, you know this is going to happen. Yeah, okay. I'm down. Um, but, uh, but like, but then it's like. <laughs> sure. <I'm over>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then it's like, you know, then, like, they're cool about it. You know, theoretically. I mean, I know it's an episodic show. But, you know. Anyway, to the extent that we have to, you know, da-da-da. But, like, so, like, you know, Daniel, so, like, you know, Will Dax, I forget what the symbiont's name was, you know, has a great, you know, has this, you know. But you just said we're not leaving the host yet. Your name the symbiont, Dax. I know. I'm, I'm not trying to be Just specious. Charlie or I know something. they have different names. Um, but anyway, so, like, Daniel. They all look the same to you, don't so they? So how, how does... They're just all little slugs. So how do how do Bev and Will like able to maintain eye contact okay, the next so, week? Daniel? Okay, so this is <laughs> well. I Go just I just gonna say I'm just wondering was there a moment in Attached where <laughs> Beverly's going? This is even weirder than uh, when uh, I was like totally kissing Will Riker and Picard's like I didn't uh, need that in my head. Look, Beverly. we've all kissed the beard. Okay, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, we've all been the scarecrow. We've all been the, we've all been the scarecrow. 
you know, it's, oh, okay. So now we're getting to the nitty gritty of it. Like now we're like, yes, I, I think that even on, like, even if you had questioned the character of Will Riker before the events of the host, and if you, uh, maybe not Beverly, because that's such an absurd situation. She probably wouldn't have been able to recognize it, but I, I think that the this sexuality that's what we're talking about of the 24th century is such that two friends in such a ridiculous situation can, <laughs> it, it is a ridiculous situation of course but they it can really encounter that. Like, like they're looking at each other going like you know this is a badly written situation right <laughs> no yeah, it's yeah. not it's not it's <laughs> I mean not there's no it's candle ba- it's not that it's but, badly you know. written that's that's wrong because there are times in life when people when two people who are probably not good for each other end up together in a way. And uh, sometimes there are complications and sometimes there aren't, but, but it's, it's not inherently wrong for that to happen. And I think that there's a lot of social stigma that's attached to that. So what I'm reminded of, right, of course, is Roe, uh, is the Roe, uh, the Roe Riker relationship. Conundrum. Uh, in conundrum. And wait, so is Roe Riker, Combined to be Riker, Riker. Wait, no, wait. Silent R. Roker. Oh my! Well, see, it's actually a, it's a common thing. Uh, Laren is actually never. No. Uh, so you know, oh, so when they find out that they, oh God, what did we do? But then it wasn't. It was whatever, whatever. I just I think that these. Well, no, I think that's funny because no, no, it was that, but it was it, it, would, it was right in front of Troy, which made it even. No, that better, was like the so. only well, that was one of the few situations you've seen Will actually get the embarrassed like <laughs> red face, where like Troy and Roe like show up like you know hand in hand like oh hi Will, <laughs> <laughs> we were ex- let's compare exactly notes, Will. I just he's like I'm in trouble. I just, aren't you I? Know, I just think that you know in the 24th century when there are there are no I don't know. I don't know how to say it. But there you know, I just think that the people would be okay with that kind of situation. Like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I fell in love with the being that's inhabiting your body right now. I I know that's absurd. <laughs> I Worst not you. pickup line it's, ever. It's it's absurdist, <laughs> but it's it's also interesting to think that like these people would be okay with doing that. I I don't I don't I, I'm okay with that. That makes sense to me. I'm just like going to walk into 10 forward. Hey, baby, is that a symbiont inside uh, you? Because I'm being attracted beyond your superficial oh layers and sinking deep into your... That's, that's too wordy. I'm going to have to work on it. <laughs> um, hey, baby, you're not planning on changing those things <laughs> in the next 20 years. <laughs> oh, great. Now I feel like this should be its own oh. topic in the Bagel Conference 24th Century Pickup Lines Based on the Trail. Um, <laughs> because we've already gotten... Can I count your spots? Um... But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that uh, I think that's <laughs> um, they are time lords. Yes, we we did answer that. Um, so another, to me, overtly sexual or sensuous or whatever word you want to use, species is actually we've talked about Troy beta zeds. Um, you know, I, th- I feel like it's kind of an overused word, but like exotic, I'm sure was how you know when they were doing the series Bible for TNG, how they're trying to describe the Troy character. Um, well, because I feel like it's an overused word, but anyway, but it's sort of this very sensuous species. Um, you know, you have, and it's 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 funny, and I know I'm I'm gonna, you know, this may or may not be funny to Daniel. I almost feel like the best example of how sexual beta zeds are is Loxana. Like, you know, like, we get a little bit from Deanna, but, like, if you want to know what <laughs> how sexual bed is, it's, her mother is actually the best representation. I mean, not only her, her just comically going after Jean-Luc, though that, but, like, you know, we get the, like, the naked wedding rites, um, we get the, uh, um, the, whatever they call the, you know, menopausal sexual drive times a million, you know, uh, hide your men, hide your boys, uh, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, so, and 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 I feel like even there, there were moments with Deanna uh, when she, she was kind of being a little bit more beta zoidy. They was always kind of trying to be a little bit more exotic or whatever, um, not just her clothing selections. But, like, Darren, what, is, what did you feel about the, the sort of the way the beta zeds were kind of shown to be this a little bit more, I mean, not like crazy sexual like the Edo or Ryza, but a little bit more than, say, Terry. <laughs> on a scale of terror, <laughs> exactly our, where do you fall take is. the quiz <laughs> well i think there's there's two things that i think of with the the beta zeds one is uh it kind of makes sense just 
with how open they are with their, you know, at least with like, uh, you know, just like physical sexuality or like, you know, being naked because in a, in a species of telepaths where, you know, your, your mind is, I mean, I'm sure they train themselves to not like probe into each other's minds all the time, but basically you could make a really like on a herm on, on a human level standard, like you could make a very deep connection with someone very quickly if, if your entire species was, you know, telepathic, uh, it reminds, oh gosh, going way back to my, you know, TY novel youth. Uh, I think this was a, a book series called the Animorphs. And if you ever, if you ever read it and, but basically they, they eventually established like a, um, a, a psychic connection with each other. And, you know, for the first few moments, they're all just like extremely embarrassed because every thought you have, everything is just there. It's all bare, but then it passes and they all, you know, just become, you get to understand each other a whole lot more because it's got, because it's like, could humans survive in that amount of openness? Uh, but the other thing that it, it makes me think of with the beta Zeds is have we ever actually met like a normal, not, insane male oh, tin man beta z because oh yeah well now there you know, was male there was the guy in the price the skeezy guy <laughs> oh now he wasn't but he wasn't 100 percent beta z i think he was only half he was yeah i was yeah. gonna say i'm talking about yeah, yeah, i mean yeah. you, you you gave the example of oxana who's 100 percent beta z i'm like i can't actually remember a, a male 100 percent beta z that we meet um yeah I, I'm, I'm blanking currently so um yeah I can't think of any. So uh, all that to say is, you know, in in some regards, then we're only kind of seeing one aspect of of their of their society. Like, is you know, is every uh, male like are they like Vosh level, you know, crazy jumping around or who, who knows? But uh, but yeah, definitely uh, an interesting species. And uh, and like I agree with you though that uh, the the best window to that species is Loxana. So what about you, Daniel? Um, Imzadi, what's that all about? I, you know, I actually, I agree with Darren. What, what's interesting to think about is what would it, what society with would uh, a race of telepaths kind of create, right? So you wouldn't have any of these taboos because everybody, there's nothing you could hide. You can't hide within a within a society of people who can tell what you're thinking. Uh, and so it makes sense to me that they would be sexually open because at that point you're just like, oh, you're walking down the street and you see someone who's attractive to you and maybe they are attracted to you as well. And then all of a sudden, oh, hey, we already know there's no mystery there. It's just like, bam, it happens. And, uh, you know, which, well, hey, you know, sounds pretty fun, but maybe there might be other complications. We don't get to see. That is the worst that is the worst meat cute story I've ever heard. <laughs> hey, I read your mind. You read my mind. Bam. Uh, you know, it is actually oh, it's actually a really inter- you know we don't actually get into Betazoid culture in any of the series. It's uh, uh, and it's and in fact, I mean, I know there's like a sacred chalice and there's holy like rings. holy rings. But we don't really go into. I mean, it's just it's cheating. It's not very it's, deep. it's, it's cheating, right? It's too easy with a full telepath. Like if Deanna Troy could really read everybody's minds. That would make that would make the you know the villain of the week too easy. You would be able to just know what was going on. Wait, He's you're totally sa- bluffing. You're, you're so. saying they could just waltz in in the past two minutes of the show when the credits are about to roll, and they're like, "Yeah, those are the assassins." By the way, <laughs> exactly. that, that would just... it would be too easy. <laughs> this is this is why they they but they do, do know, they I'm do kidding. sometimes. That's true. That's true. <laughs> With the fish people. <laughs> this is outrageous. Like, their shield frequency is blah, 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 blah. I just read it from the tactical officer <laughs> on that Romulan warbird. Mr. Warfire. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, now, you know, we, we've been talking about a lot of aliens, but I did want to get into some human uh, relationships. Now, I think one weakness, because uh, there's only one, right? No. I think one weakness of of TNG is that we don't have any married characters. I mean, I will, we're all they're all single. I mean, and I, I'll admit, you know, DS9 at least got a married character. Oh, uh, hang on. I'm sorry. Um, 
Keiko. I mean, I'm not talking widows. about O'Brien. O'Brien I mean, and Keiko yes. are married uh, on the Enterprise. I mean, they're literally married <laughs> in TNG. Yes. Well, I'm I'm glad the affirmative action secondary character during season five, you know, finally some legitimacy. I just want you to know it is the you know. greatest privilege of a captain to marry, you know, two people. So. <laughs> Oh, did, did you introduce them, Daniel? That was you, right? You, no, you got them together, right? He just wants to make Keiko happy. <laughs> I don't okay. know. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, we did at least have some allusions to. Oh, okay. I mean, like, well, the caveat is, of course, Troy and Riker got married, and yeah, that makes sense. Wink. Um, but anyway, yeah, like twenty years <laughs> later from when we first meet their characters. Exactly. But like uh, one character that we've talked about before is Doctor Pulaski, who has married several times, um, three times, I believe, three or four times, um, and divorced. Um, and and she's friends with every single one of them, I believe, as she is telling um, Kyle uh, Riker. Um, so, and then Guinan has been married. I don't know how many times, but several. I think I. I she didn't she say like three was her she, limit? As yeah. She says in the beginning of uh, of yeah. Nemesis. So you know, in Genesis. <laughs> no, not Genesis. Oh, Nemesis. Oh, yeah, I usually say that title in the same tone, though. Um, so, so I don't know. Did you guys think that that you know we should have seen more married folks other than the will they won't they? I forgot about them. Oh yeah, there they are. Nemesis one. Well, it, I mean, if if Starfleet is supposed to be this like allegory to like you know, or some sort of Earth Navy or something like that, then it it it, it, it I guess it makes sense. Even on the Enterprise with all the children, so I guess there got to be some married. People, you know, if there's all these children on well, the ship. Well, I, I didn't want to mention that we did have someone who had a child out of wedlock, but you know, Worf, no judgment, but you know, and and you know, not everyone consults the captain <laughs> on when true. they're creating their children. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, but I feel, I, I mean, obviously, we don't see a lot of married in like the bridge staff, which I guess makes sense, but um, it you know, it just wasn't. I guess also at the time, you know, with the way Star Trek was constructed, you know, being an episode based, I think if Trek were to come back like now, you would definitely have a lot more married characters. You'd have a lot more, you know, plots and, and it'd be much more woven together. Uh, but it makes sense for what the show was. And I mean, at a certain time, cause I, I can't remember when Ben and Cassidy got married, but at a certain time in deep space nine, half the cast was married because Worf and Jadzia, O'Brien and Cisco were all married. So yeah, yeah. N- n- no. Um, I can remember if Jadzia died. Jadzia died Vince before uh, before yeah. they got married. So yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. So but so I mean, basically, just have these you know sort of regular single. I mean, regular whatever you want to call that word. Um, single relationships. Um, that that you know what we're just going to spend the, the last ten minutes, Daniel. The floor is yours. So. 24th century relationships, you know, we just obviously like all Star Trek series, we get the romance guest star of the week just beams up and, you know, it's either a douche or a, or a cool person. Um, and uh, depending if it's a Troy episode or not. And, um, you know, and there you go. But uh, I mean, I don't, what, what's, what's your what's your how does TNG show these on again, off again, girl and boy at every port, whatever you want to call it, relationships? All right. So we're talking about specifically. Troy and Riker, right? Troy and Riker are a perfect example. Triker it away. Troy and Riker are a perfect example of the, I think, the 24th century relationship, right? So let's think about this. We're going back to Encounter, and we know that they have had a past relationship. And then all the way to Nemesis, even though Nemesis doesn't handle it exactly the way I would have wanted it to end, it's fine. That's fine. So we're going Encounter to Nemesis. So you have these people who uh, had a pr- previous relationship that were in love, and then they are now work. They're they're thrust into this coworker situation. Well, how do you handle that? Well, now it would be awkward and weird, and I know you guys would say that it's awkward and weird sometimes. <laughs> in the, some of their encounters are awkward and weird, and that's okay. That's I think that's just that that's just explained by normal natural human behavior. But I don't know. I like. Their arc, I think it makes a lot of sense. There are times that they push it a little too far. There are times that it's, it's weird and it's just like, come on, guys, let's let, you know, who's the, well, I don't know, who's the father actually makes a lot of sense to me. But, but 
Because I see that as more of a concern. I mean, that's a, that's a very specific situation. Well, yeah, it's very <laughs> the, specific. The tone concern. of his that's voice a, was definitely. Uh, that's a very concern. specific. Yeah, it, that definitely wasn't a marking territory uh, tone at all. At all, it was total concern about Deanna. What is the What is the moment? The moment where uh, they're outside the ready room. <laughs> oh God! And he says something to her, and they're obviously. Fl- oh, it was the it was the Barkley moment. When she's like, Barkley made a pass at me. And he's like, how good a pass? And like, it's flirtatious and also kind of jealous, but not jealous to the point where like, he's going to come in the place with a phaser and shoot people up kind of thing. I don't know. He's not going to throw some angel hair spaghetti at him. (laughs) Exactly. So I don't know. I like their relationship because I think, uh, like I said, there are some parts that are not so great, but I think it makes sense from a 24th century perspective. And I love it. I love that, the, the, that like, even at the end of TNG, when we get, I think, the universally hated relationship between Troy and Worf, and Riker's like, it's okay. It's fine. I mean, he doesn't say that in All Good Things, because obviously that's a, <laughs> part, that's a plot point of All Good Things. Uh, but um, Admiral Riker would disagree. <laughs> yeah, but before that, we get, to, we get to go ahead, Worf, do your thing. And then, like, you know, and then and then it's just like the the events of insurrection. Philip, you love insurrection. Uh, it's the events of insurrection that shows these two people, hey, maybe we we are okay to be together, and then they're just together. And it's like, I don't know. I, it's I I like it. I like it a lot. I think that there's we get we get about a whole episode about their relationship, uh, and maybe we will someday. But um, it's going to be a will they, won't they? If, if we do that episode, will they or <laughs> uh, you know or warp they? Will they warp <laughs> they? Warf, warf they? Will they warp they? We've already come up with a title. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> uh, yeah, 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 and I. And I th- and I'm also wondering, like injustice. Now I'm gonna have to rewatch that to see, like, when Deanna goes off with her guy, whether Darren Riker gives her a look. Like, wait a minute, only I'm allowed to go off with. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's because I actually I think their relationship says a lot about them. Because I think w- w- when they're having their relationship moments, to me, the real Deanna and the real Will come out, and they're a little completely different than how they always are. And that's kind of in a bad way. But I think it, it, that's who they are, though. That's who they are. Like, I think they see each other for who they really are. Like, The Lost, as much as we want to say that's a terrible episode, well, I don't know if we want to say that, but as much as that may not be the best episode, like, that whole, like, Will's, like, telling Deanna, like, oh, here we go. <laughs> this is all, I always knew you were an elitist. I, you know, and it's like, but I, like, when I see that thing, I, I, on one level, one level, I want to say, like, I can't believe they're talking that way. But the second level, like, you know what? This is them. This is Triker. This is, this is what Triker is like. This is how they talk to themselves when they're in the room together. But, uh, you know, I'll, 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 any, any closing thoughts here, Darren, you know, on, on, on TNG that, because I, I, I said, I'll, I'll do my closing thought and give it to, to you next, and then Daniel can finish up. But, like, as I said, growing up, like, I was struck by, you know, however I was in my own personal development growing. But I, I recognize, like, there was a lot of sex and relationships going on in the show. And, and that's, of course, when I was growing up, knowing, like, what, what, what is right and wrong. I mean, for, you know, not, not black and white, but like you know, what do I believe is is appropriate and da da da, and to see this sort of twenty fourth or nineteen sixties, you know, Roddenberry, whatever, this sort of depiction is sort of like okay, it's interesting, and I mean, it's, of course, it's like any almost any TV show or movie where you know characters just having sex all the time, but anyway, but it was sort of encapsulated into this TNG aspect, but anyway, so that's how it kind of what has always interested me about this topic because to me, like I said, TNG is a very sexual, sexy show, and we just talked about it for like. 50 minutes so anyway so darren what, what are your what are your final thoughts well it is a sexy show i mean those nacelles they are ah. no 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 but uh yeah no i think you know the, the times that tng broached the subject i think they did well and and i think you know looking back at it it's interesting almost to look at these types of episodes in all of trek because a lot of times they're like daniel said you know they're a product of the time uh you know they're a product of what the writers wanted to do how far they could go and, uh, you know, I think that's kind of more the interesting aspect of, you know, oh, what was it like in 91 to write this kind of story versus 2005 versus 19, you know, 67, you know, and, uh, you know, that or 20, 
85 when Trek eventually comes back from, you know, CBS, you know, whenever, whenever that happens. But I think that's a, that's a, a good aspect of the show is, is it's a, it's a mirror to us as a, as a society, uh, you know, and, of writing, of producing, of airing, you know, getting through those, those channels. All right. And any closing thoughts, Daniel? Yeah, I, 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 um, I think that actually to, to kind of go off of what Darren was saying, I think that they're the writers a lot of times try to put in these messages that maybe, well, you know, I mean, it's science fiction. You have to, to put, think about it. Like these, these messages were not acceptable. You couldn't just go out and say these things. This is something Star Trek has always done. You, you have to, how do you say things that are not allowed to be said in a public space, in a, in a, in a, in a TV show. And you use science, the science fiction elements to do it. And you, and you, you want to say, Hey, let's talk about this thing. And maybe it's not, maybe it's not comfortable to talk about. And maybe it's not something we're open to talking about, but if we put it, if we wrap it with a bow and we put it in a way that's not so obvious that we can at least get to the core of the message and talk about, and really discuss the ideas behind it. And sexuality, of course, one, one of the biggest taboos in society now, I, I, I just, I appreciate what Star Trek, even from the original series, not that I'm saying I agree with everything it says, but I like that it's trying to say something. And I like that it's at least pointing out things that maybe, you know, honestly, in the early 90s, I would have never considered or never thought about Going back and watching these episodes, I'm like, wow, there, there's a lot here. Uh, you know, The Outcast is a perfect example of an episode where it ends, you know, almost pointlessly, but but it raises issues that are important to people and and really resonate with a lot of people. And it's it's I, I appreciate Star Trek for trying to do those things from from TOS all the way to Enterprise. You know. Right, so we talked about we talked about the original series all the way up to Cogenitor, right? Like th- th- that runs the gamut. There are so many episodes that talk talk about these issues, and uh, I think it's wonderful. I I, I think it's great, and uh, I hope the next Star Trek will you know continue uh, to go where no show has gone before. I agree, and Darren, he said ran the gamut, not the gambit. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, it's been fun talking about uh, sexuality and relationships and TNG today, but this is just one of the many Trek topics we've been talking about here on Trek.fm this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. I really, really, really hope that if they do that, they make Chang the villain because... You know, Captain Chang instead of General Chang or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, that just seems like the perfect way to go. Earl Grey. All right, Riker, we're promoting you to captain. I mean, you uh, you killed the last captain. We usually don't reward that. That's usually not a policy. But in this case... Well, well to be fair, he had spent some time on a Klingon ship. The Orb. But the Federation and Bator as a member of the Federation would be helping rebuild Cardassia. And I could see, like, very much the relationship between the U.S. and Japan today. I could see the Federation and Cardassia having that kind of relationship moving forward. To the journey! Jimmy has a very distinct pain noise. Yeah, she you know kind what I'm of talking does. About? It sounds sort of like she's suffocating. Yeah, it sounds like she's suffocating and sometimes, and I'm going to keep it clean, not always in pain. The ready room. He is the best cosplayer ever because he's so buried himself in his part that we have no idea who this guy is outside of the impersonation of Tuvok. Exactly. He's the Christian Bale of the Delta Quadrant. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. If I'm not mistaken, in any upcoming episode of Next Generation, we don't see full-grown golden retrievers running around the decks of the Enterprise. And I'm also a little worried that Captain Picard has never played with puppies. Commentary, Trek stars. But you'd rather see Red in charge than him. Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) Because you really want Porn Stash to go down. 
Yes, yes, you do. And that sentence out of context sounds really strange. Literary treks. As great as Picard is and his Picard maneuver, uh, I don't think Picard straightening his shirt is going to help him uh, <laughs> when he's going up against the Riker maneuver. Fair enough, yeah. So. Axanar, the official podcast. The changes that we've made, the changes to the nacelles and uh, several other aspects of these ships to make them distinct and, and not the same ships as uh, in, in Star Trek 2009. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can check out all these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Basically, you can find them anywhere. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Send to Show, and of course, select Earl Grey. These messages will be emailed to the three of us personally. Finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Our new listener discussion group is called The Babel Conference, found by typing The Babel Conference, of course, in the Facebook search field, so you can find us there. Please support our sponsor, Audible.com, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books, like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and all of Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting www.patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all of our great content. So please become a Trek FM patron and visit www.patreon.com slash trekfm today. And we've gotten some feedback, um, which we always appreciate and always love. Um, we got some uh, great email um, in the subspace mailbag uh, from Jason S. Um, he's from Wilmore, Kentucky, if I'm saying that correctly. And uh, he was writing about um, our arts and culture episode, which happened to be the last episode I captained. Thank you. Um, but he wanted to, to – he said he's enjoying our conversations and our topics and that – and this – he actually has a great point, guys. This, and I've never thought about this. And Jason, thank you. This is, this is just awesome, this comment. So he, he was talking about how we were talking about in first contact um, with the opera music. And he said this. He said, uh, concerning your talk about Picard and first contact, listening to the loud music in his ready room. Uh, Though I agree that that scene shows the pressure and stress Picard is experiencing, I believe the major significance of the scene is Picard trying to drown the sound of the Borg inside his mind via his cybernetic implants. Um, And I never thought about that before, guys, but that makes perfect sense now that he says that. So that that's a great point, uh, and and we appreciate it. And we also have some uh, five star iTunes review in the iTunes store. So um, uh, this one is from Emily Reeds, and she says that Earl Grey is an amazing podcast for anyone who's a fan of TNG. We appreciate it, guy, uh, Emily. Um, and she just uh, says that we explore great topics, that we're great hosts, that we have the enthusiasm of TNG, but we're also willing to talk about its flaws as well, um, which, of course, doesn't include justice, um, and that she likes our sense of humor and listening to us each and every week. So we appreciate it, Emily. So, Daniel, uh, if people want to make some shore leave plans, how can they reach you um, to find out where the best spots in the galaxy are to go? Well, if they, you know, if they want to experience Jamaharan, uh, I know a guy who knows a guy who, 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 who knows a guy 
uh, they can they can reach me on Twitter, and that's at one up Dan. That is the number one, not the word. And Darren, if people want to know about the perfect mate, where can they reach you? Oh well, they uh, I already found the perfect mate, guys. But oh, uh, but uh, if if you want to talk about the episode, the perfect mate, you can find me on Twitter under username Doctor Sci-Fi. That's D R S C I F I. And if people want to not talk about my holodeck program selections, they can find me on Twitter. My handle there is NC Public Servant. That's NC for North Carolina. Well, guys, um, I'm going to have to go uh, watch Encounter through Nemesis, and maybe I'll finally understand Triker uh, after the 16th viewing. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. So until next week, make it so. Live long and prosper. Endgame. Fire.